Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. good. Amen. Amen. I want you all to stand your feet with me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because uh, I, I just, I can't do nothing without the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I mean that. Uh, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. Amen. Just close your eyes with me. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, almighty God. Father, we just humble ourselves before you this morning, God, and we just want to say thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing, Lord. Father, I rejoice, Lord, for all that you're doing in your son, Pastor George's life, Lord. We're so thankful, Father, for the work and the, that you are building there, God, for it is so true. Unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. And so, Lord, we thank you for the work that you're building there. We thank you for Pastor Art and Maria, God, for, Lord, just uh, saying yes to host these conferences so we can come together and come to the well and drink from you, Lord. God, I pray that you continue to bless them and their ministry, God, and continue to expand their vision, Father. I pray, God, that, Lord, that you would continue to use them, Lord, as a, a lighthouse in this dark city, God. It's known as Sin City, but where sin abounds, grace abounds. Hallelujah. And so, Father, we just pray that, Lord, that during this time we have together, Lord, that we would have, Lord, a real encounter with your presence and your power and your word in such a way, God, that it would, Lord, just bring such an impartation that it would result in transformation in all of our lives, God. That we would not leave this place the same, that, God, it would not just be another conference, God, that we hear a message, God, and, and Lord, it just goes one ear at the other. But I pray, God, for impartation, Father. And so I pray over everyone right now, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of you, God. Let the eyes of everyone's understanding be enlightened and give everyone ears to hear what your spirit, God, is saying to them personally. And Lord, I confess before my brothers and sisters, God, uh, my uttermost dependency upon you. For I know that, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing, but through you, I can do all things. And so, Lord, I receive the anointing, the wisdom, and the words to speak this morning. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that I don't have to worry about what I'll say in this hour because you will give me the words to speak. And I thank you for that promise. I stand upon that promise, and I thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, we together pray for your kingdom to come, God, and your will to be done here on earth as in heaven. We declare that in this house that, Jesus, you are Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the King of kings, and you are the Lord of lords. We declare it in this house. And wherever you are, Lord, darkness has to flee. Everything that's not of you has to depart, God. And so we thank you, Lord, that you are here. Hallelujah. And because you are here, God, and we are encountering the king, we cannot stay the same. Hallelujah. And so we love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you may be seated. Glory to God. God is so good. Can you say amen? This morning, the simple title of my message is the theme of the conference, Be Still. Now, I know at a conference, the theme is preached about from many different angles. So what I want to focus on <clears throat> this morning 
is how to be still in the midst of chaos when life gets overwhelming and when the enemy's really pouring it on. Because it's at those times, amen, that, that we, we tend to make the worst decisions and get all tripped out. <laughs> we think things and act in ways that we shouldn't when all we need to do is be still. Now, being still does not imply doing nothing. But one aspect of being still is waiting in faith. Hello, somebody. And faith is always active. Amen. Even while waiting to answer to, to, to see the answer come to pass. It can be as simple as singing praise songs while waiting. Declaring the promises of God. Uh, those still are acts of faith. Can you say amen? amen? See, the bottom line is keeping your mind, mouth, and your heart in line with the word of God while being still. But the only way, listen to me, friend, the only way you're going to keep your mind, mouth, and your heart in line with the word of God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of waiting, in, in, amen, is to know who you are and whose you are. That's the only way. That's the only way you're going to be able to be still. Amen? See, one of the main reasons many people trip out, amen, in the midst of uh, chaos is because they don't know who they are and whose they are. They become insecure in those moments. See, it's at those times, amen, people start questioning, is God really with me? Am I really saved? Am I really a child of God? If God is, if he's my God, then why am I going through all this? Anyone ever have thoughts like this in the midst of chaos? Is God even with me? See, it's during these times, amen, that many have an identity crisis. And have all kinds of distorted, amen, ideas, uh, amen, about God. And when you're insecure in the midst of these things, thinking these ways, feeling these ways, it's hard to function and focus and keep going forward. It leads to all, kind of, all kinds of emotions. For some, it leads to depression, anxiety, double-mindedness. And the Bible says in James 1.8, amen, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. See, what happens, amen, to many believers, I hate to say this, amen, is that there's a lot of double-mindedness. Amen? I, I know not this church, amen, or another's here. For the, it's for the church down the block. But just in case, amen, it's for you, I got to mention it. See, but, but when you know in your spirit, by revelation from the Holy Spirit, that you're a son or a daughter of God, you have security through it all. Amen, you'll be able to say like King David, amen, in Psalms 23, 4, amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, 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 why? For, for, for you are with me. You see, there's a security when you know he is with you. Amen, for you are with me, your rod, your staff, and they what? Comfort me. Oh, hello, somebody. In the valley, amen. See, this is why this morning, amen, I'm going to teach on sonship. I'm going to do a lot of teaching. There's going to be a lot of stuff on the PowerPoint there. And I want, to, I want you to get a visual because this is so important that you get this in your spirit. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach intellect to intellect, but spirit to spirit. 
Amen. Because see, when you get revelation, amen, amen, it results in transformation in your life and you'll never be the same. Think about this. The areas you're strongest in your faith is the area that the Holy Spirit made the word of God come alive to you. Those areas that you're still double-minded with, you just got, you can just quote it intellectually. But when it comes alive to your spirit, there ain't no moving you. All right. Now, what I want to start off talking about is that God has always longed to have a father-son-daughter relationship with his creation. From the very beginning, God wanted an offspring who would relate to him in love. The original plan and purpose of God was to have a family of sons and daughters that he could relate to as as a father to a child. Adam was a son. Say Adam was a son. I want you to catch this verse that many times we just read or we don't read. In Luke 3, 38, look what it says. Watch this. Look on the screen here. Luke 3, 38. You got it? The scriptures? The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam. What? The son of God. (laughs) Adam was a son of of God. But after the fall, say after the fall, fallen man was never called a son of God or a child of God. As a matter of fact, look on the screen here. Look what fallen man is referred to in the Bible. They're referred to as unbeliever. Amen. The word unbeliever was understood to represent everything opposed to Christian faith and godliness. They're referred to as enemies of God, children of the devil, alienated from God, keep going, people who are in darkness, in the kingdom of darkness, under the power of the enemy, children of wrath. This is how, amen, uh, the, 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 the fallen mankind is referred to in the word of God. So this proves that no fallen man, amen, are children of God. Now David, a believer, did call the Lord God the Father of Israel. First Chronicles, look on the screen here, 2010 says, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Deuteronomy 14.1 says about the children of Israel, You are the children of our Lord your God. You shall not cut yourself nor shave the front of your head for, for the dead. So as we read, David called God their father. And the children of Israel were called the children of the Lord God. But as I'm going to show you today, <clears throat> the full restoration to our original identity of being sons and daughters, children of God for all mankind is found in Christ and him alone. Amen? This is important. Look what uh, Romans, watch this. I'm going to start right now with this. Look at Romans 9, 25 through 26 says. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. And her beloved, who was not my beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. Watch this. There they shall be called 
sons of the living God. Oh, hello, somebody. The ESV commentary writes this. Paul quotes, look on the screen here. Paul quotes Hosea 2.23 uh, and 1.10 to illustrate the stunning grace of God. That those who are not my people will be called sons of the living God. In calling the Gentiles to salvation, God calls a sinful people to himself. Just as in uh, the saving Israel, he showed mercy to the undeserving. No one can presume on God's grace. In calling anyone to salvation, he shows undeserved mercy to those who are not his people. Amen? Now, in the original context, the pa these passages from Hosea refer to the spiritual restoration of Israel. Now catch this. In this, Paul finds the principle that God is a saving, forgiving, and restoring God who delights to take a people who are not my people, amen, and to make them my people. Oh, hello, somebody. See, Paul applies this principle, amen, to Gentiles, amen, who, 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 who God, whom God makes his people by sovereignly grafting them in, amen, to a covenant relationship with him. You can read more details about that in Romans chapter 9 through chapter 11. Now, as mentioned, <clears throat> the full restoration to being sons and daughters is found in Christ and him alone. See, I want to stress all mankind is God's creation, but not are all God's children. Let me say it again. Because we hear this false statement, oh, we're all just children of God. That's a lie. We're all God's creation, but only those who receive Jesus Christ in their heart as Lord and Savior become children of God. Let me show you this scripturally. As I showed you again, Adam was called a son of God, but then afterwards, no fallen man was referred to as a son. They were referred to all the many things that we looked at. But watch this. It's only through Christ. Watch. John 1, 12, and 13. Watch this. But as many as received him. Say received him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become, say become. Become children of God to those who believe in his name. Keep going. Who were not born, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God, nor of the will of man, excuse me, but of God. See, how many of you here have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Raise your hand. And you become a child of God. To you it has been given the right to become children of God. Now look on the screen here. The word become. Look on the, I, want to, I, want you, I want to emphasize this. The word become. Go ahead. The word become in the Greek means, means to come into existence. You, you got to get that. To come into existence. Begin to be. Oh, hello, somebody. Receive, receive amen, but being. Amen. See, before you weren't a child of God, but the moment you received him into your heart as Lord and Savior, you became a child of God. You became a son. You became a daughter. You became this. You understand what I'm saying here? This is very important. For some, I know this may sound uh, uh, real simple, 
but, 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 but here's the problem. You only know it here. How can I say that? Because you're double-minded in trials. If you had it in your spirit, you wouldn't be tripping. Church, by believing and receiving, undeserving sinners can become full members of God's family. What amazing grace. Look on the screen here. The ESV commentary writes this. Receive implies not merely intellectual agreement with some facts about Jesus, but also welcoming and submitting to him in a personal relationship, believed in, implies personal trust. His name refers to all that is true about him and therefore the totality of his person, born not of blood, but of God makes, uh, but of God makes clear that neither physical birth nor ethnic descent nor human effort can make people children of God, but only God's supernatural work. Can you say amen? Jesus made a way for all of us to become sons and daughters of God. Look at these amazing following verses. Galatians 3, 26, look what it says. Powerful. For you are all what? Sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at these next verses. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Powerful, powerful. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to what? Redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive, the, receive adoptions as what? Sons. And because you are, say because you are. Oh, hello, somebody. Tell your neighbor, because you are. Because you are, be say because I am. That's right. Because you are, amen, sons, God sent forth his, the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, hallelujah. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a? Woo, come on now. You're no longer a what? A slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hello, somebody. See, what you got to understand is the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men can become the sons of God. Oh, hello, somebody. Amen? Are you getting this? Amen? That's so powerful. See, this truth should cause us to be in awe. When we comprehend what this is saying, this should leave us in awe. What we become. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not, I didn't join no Christian club. I became a son. I became a citizen in the kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? It should cause us to be in awe. Look at, look at John writes, 1 John 3, 1, the Amplified. This is what he's saying here. See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given 
shown, bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God? And so we are. The reason that the world does not know, recognize, or acknowledge us is that it does not know, recognize, acknowledge him. As we've seen, he's, he, he's standing in awe and in amazement that he became a child of God. Wow. And that's what, we, that, and that's what this reality should do to us. Have you lost the awe of being a son and a daughter? Hello, somebody. Have you lost the awe of it? Does it still move you? Or is it real to you? Again, are you double-minded in the midst of chaos? Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I a son? Am I not? Am I forgiven? Am I not? Hello? And, and then you find yourself in this just going in circles. You're never going forward. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. God doesn't want you to live with hoping I'm saved, hoping I'm a son or a daughter, hoping I make it. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul knew who he was in Christ. Paul knew he was a son. Therefore, in Philippians 1, he can be like, man, you know, I'm paraphrasing, you know, man, it's, it's beneficial for you to, I'm here, but man, I must be with him. He wasn't like, man, I, I hope I make it. Come on now. Say, I'm his. Becoming a child of God is the highest privilege of our salvation. And God wants us to know we're his. And because we are, because we are, we got nothing to worry about. <laughs> got nothing to worry about. Hallelujah. Look on the screen here. How many times Jesus tells us, do not worry. Do not worry. Look at this. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. <clears throat> Look on the screen here. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about what? What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your what? Hello, somebody. Yet your what? Your what? Your heavenly Father, amen, feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to a stature? Right? So why do you worry? Hello, somebody. Tell your neighbor, so why do you worry? Tell the other one, so why do you worry? <clears throat> Say to yourself, why am I worrying? Consider the lilies of the field. He's trying to drive the point in. How they grow, they neither, uh, to uh, they neither toil nor spin. Watch this. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Keep going. 
Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, of you little faith? Therefore, <laughs> he's got to keep reminding us, do not worry saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, he has to remind us, knows. Say your heavenly Father knows. Oh, man. Let that sink in. Say, my heavenly Father knows. Say, my heavenly Father knows about my situation. Come on, close your eyes. Say, my heavenly Father knows about my situation. Say, he knows. That you need all these things. But what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. And just in case you didn't get it, he wants to tell you something again in verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be, will worry about its own, excuse me, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Can you say amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. <clears throat> Tell your neighbors, stop tripping and start trusting. Amen? Huh? See, the whole basis of Jesus, amen, why he's saying do not worry, amen, over and over again is because we are children of God. Because he is our father. This is why he's saying, man, look, you have nothing to worry about. If God is for you, who or what can be against you? I mean, think about this. If Jesus in the physical was walking around with you, would you worry about anything? You face a, I got Jesus right here. Uh, financial thing, he can make money come out of a fish's mouth. Healing the body, bam, he does it. Deliverance, bam, he does it. What do I, I got Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? He lives within you. We walk by faith and not by, he's in you. He's made his home with inside of us through the Holy Spirit. He dwells inside of us. I can't think of a greater promise than Hebrews 13, 5, that he says, I'll never, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am so thankful for that promise. Even as Pastor George is talking about, at times it gets hard. But God is faithful. Every time I go to the throne, not the phone, go to the throne of grace, I obtain mercy. I, I, I receive grace to help in my time of need. And he gets me through everything. And yes, we need to go to others, but we need to go to the throne before the phone. Hello, somebody. Tell your neighbor, you have no need to worry or fear. Tell your neighbor, your father knows what you need. Tell him your father loves you. I want to look at some more amazing verses about converted humans as being part of God's family. Let this, let this, let this sink in. Look at, look at this, look at a couple right here. Ephesians 1.5, look what it says. Ephesians 1.5. 
Having predestined us to adoption as what? By Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now watch this one. Romans 8, 14 through 19. Look at these amazing, amazing verses. And don't miss anything that's being taught here. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the... Keep going. Just keep flowing me, bro. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of adoption again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by, when, by whom we all cry out, Abba, Father. Keep going. The spirit themselves bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Amen? For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. When you really think about those scriptures we read, it, it teaches us that you were freed from slavery and adopted into the family of God. You are now one of his children, a, a son, a daughter, indwelt with the Holy Spirit, given rights as God's children, made heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's powerful, amen. See, I don't care if you can tell me how to you know, teach us in Greek and this and that. It only means something if you get revelation in your spirit. You teach us all day long. There's so many people that have, you know what I'm saying, all these degrees and have all this intellectual knowledge, but it has not transformed their lives. I want this word to transform my life. You can see how much a word, the word of God has impacted someone's life by the life they live, by the way they talk the way they walk, the way they react, the way they do things. You can see how much word has come alive to them. That's another teaching in itself. I want, to, I want you to notice in verse 16, it says the Spirit, this, pay attention, please pay attention. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to confirm to believers that they are children of God. And I'm going to ask you a serious question. I'm not asking you to answer uh, out loud or raise your hand. But have you had that assurance personally from him? Have you had the Spirit of God, have you had the Holy Spirit confirm to your spirit that you are a son, that you are a daughter, that you are a child of God, that you are forgiven? Have you had that? So I can look back, amen, in the early years of my walk with God, in my times, amen, of, of, of having a battle with trusting God, and God, would, God spoke to me, God ministered to me, God touched my spirit, and so now I can look back at that altar, that encounter, because we all have altars in our life, and sometimes, amen, in the midst of going through things, we need to look back at that altar when I encountered God, when I encountered him as father, I had a revelation of him as father, I became a son, Therefore, there's no confusion or when the fiery darts come, no. He told me I'm his. The spirit spoke to my spirit that I'm his. So I'm not going to be double-minded. Oh, hello, somebody. You're not getting this. 
This is why it's so important that you know in your spirit by revelation from the spirit that you're a son or a daughter of God. Because when you know that in your spirit, there's no double-mindedness. Can you say amen? amen? And if you haven't had that, pray and say, Lord, I want to know that I'm yours. That's, and that's okay if you haven't had it. Pray that. Oh, and he'll say, ooh, my child. We can sit down and let's talk. And I'm going to just shower you with my love. Our God is so good. Can you say amen? See, this text shows us assurance of salvation is, the, is a gracious work of the Holy Spirit and does not come from any human efforts. Now let's talk about adoption. Adoption is the act, you gotta, you gotta visualize these things, is the act of bringing someone who was the offspring of another, amen, into one own family. You gotta catch that. Adoption, again, is about bringing someone from the offspring of another into your own family. See, fallen mankind, by nature, are not children of God. As, we, as I, I gave a whole list of things. So the only way fallen mankind can become children of God is by spiritual adoption. Amen. Amen? It's the only way. Look on the screen here. The Life Application Bible Commentary writes, under Roman law, an adopted child, watch this, was guaranteed all legal rights to his family's property, even if he was formerly a slave. He was not a second-class son. He was equal to all other sons, biological or adopted in his father's family. Abba in an Aramaic, Aramaic excuse me, word for the father. It was used by Christ in his prayer in, in Mark 14, 36. As adopted children of God, we share with Jesus all rights to God's resources. As God's heirs, we can claim what he has provided for us, our full identity as his children. Another man writes this on the screen here. The word heir means one who receives his allotted possession by right of sonship. Every spiritual blessing is stored in the heavenly places and can be released into the atmosphere of this earth because of the legal right of sonship. Because we are heirs of the kingdom, we, are legal, we have legal right in the spirit realm to receive the benefits of the kingdom. You are children of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs of Christ. You can function by the same rules, rights, and benefits that God, that the God of heaven functions by. What belongs to God belongs to you. This is true. It's mind-boggling, but it's true. Listen to me. Historically, adoption was a very serious subject. To be adopted, especially, listen to me, in a royal family, means that that child would receive the same rights, name, and inheritance that the blood children received. 
Holy smokes. Think about that. Families just didn't give away that right. And God has given this to you when you became a part of his royal family. I also want you to think about when a child is adopted, the child did not choose the parents, but the parents chose him. Oh, you got to get that. Oh, hello, somebody. The adopted child did not choose the parents. The parents handpicked them. The parents chose that adopted child. Okay, let me give you a visual. I want you to catch this. Imagine a royal king on his throne in this huge, huge castle. And outside of this castle is a slave train. And in that slave trade, the slaves are shackled, they're in bondage, and they feel like there's no hope for my life. This is all life is going to be. I'm just a slave. I have no hope. I'm bound. I'm in bondage. I'm in shackles. I have no future. And then all of a sudden, this royal king gets off his throne, walks outside of his castle and walks up to the slave and says, I choose you and I give you rights now. I'm not choosing you to be my slave. I'm choosing you to be my son. Oh. A citizen in my kingdom. An heir to my royal family. Full rights. Oh, hello, somebody. You think that that slave would be like, oh, okay, it's a great day. Like, oh, are you kidding me? I'm a son. I'm a daughter. What? You, you, you freed me. You delivered me from this life of misery. I was in shackles and you freed me. Are you kidding me? His whole life changed from misery and pain and bondage. Amen to freedom. So all of a sudden, amen, being royalty, amen, and being a part of a kingdom, being a son. Are you getting this? That's what you call amazing grace. Grace, not getting a gift you deserve, amen. We're getting a gift we do not deserve. All oh, this is just an act of grace because we can't earn none of this. We don't deserve none of this. But he says, I just want to give it to you because I love you. You're my creation and I want relationship with my creation. Are you getting this? This is why we should be praising him no matter what's going on. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. John 15, 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Ephesians 1, 4, just as he chose us, look at this, just as he chose us, amen, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame. You've been justified, amen. Declared innocent. Hello, somebody. You understand that. 
Not because of what you did, but because of what he did. See, when you get this, it doesn't matter what storm of life you're in. You can still praise him. Because here's the reality. I guarantee you, as a son and daughter of God, I promise you, no matter how hard the trial is, I can guarantee you it will come to an end. And it may end by you having to die on this side and go on the other side. But he says, when you get there, he'll wipe away what? Every tear. I promise you it'll end. It just may not end here. <laughs> but it will end. It will end. Can you say amen? Say, I'm so special that God chose me. Oh, say it again. I'm so special that God chose me. Tell your neighbor, you're so special that God chose you. Come on, tell the other person, say, you're so special that God chose you. Yes, we had to respond. Yes, we had to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel, but he still chose us. That person preaching to you, he chose you through them. Can you say amen? I'm going to hurry up. I think I got about five more minutes. It's ten, you know, praise the Lord. You getting something? Yeah. Write these verses down, Matthew 6, 6, and Luke 11, 1 and 2. It talks about Jesus teaching about prayer, and he talks about going to your Father. He said, the disciple says, teach to pray. He says, Lord, amen. He, he said, teach them what? Our what? Father. It's relationship. Matthew 6, 6, he talks about, amen, get to go into that secret place and have intimacy with your father. This whole thing's about a relationship. Are you getting this? Relationship. So I want to close this with this. Look on the screen here. Skip a little bit, bro. Skip. Thank you so much. You're doing a great job over there, bro. Oh, that brother right there. Jesus Christ, I'm sure. Amen. From where I'm at. Amen. <laughs> amen. I want you to catch this. I want you to pay attention to this. Please pay attention to this. This is so amazing. <laughs> this sums up the whole message. Oh my goodness. Holy Ghost, give them revelation. Holy Spirit, let this come so alive to them that this is not just head knowledge, but this, that, the, that, the, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. That they would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to them. In Jesus' name, watch this. <clears throat> your adoption, look on the screen. Your adoption to sonship means that you now gain all the privileges and responsibilities of a child of God, a child in God's family. And there are at least four different aspects in your life that radically changed in this shift. Number one, identity. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. In other words, you're included in the family of God now that you've become a child of God. Your identity now is defined by being a child of God. That's your identity. Say, I'm a child of God. That, that's your identity. Who are you? I'm a child of God. Who are you? I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. Who are you? I'm, 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 I'm his. Who are you? Are you seeing this? Number two, status. Once you were a slave, a slave to the law, 
to sin and ultimately to Satan with no rights and no privileges for a slave was completely controlled by his master. Now you are a son of God and have received all the rights and privileges belonging to that status. Wow. Your status changed from a slave to a son. <laughs> Number three, position. As slaves, you stood guilty before God. You were an object of wrath because of your enslavement to sin. Now you stand before God reconciled and made holy, blameless, and free from the accusations in Christ Jesus. Once dead, now alive with Christ. Say, I have been justified. Simply put, justify is just as if you've never sinned. There's three processes, justification, sanctification, and glorification. That's not a teaching in itself, but understand that. Number four, relationship. As a slave to sin, you lived in anxiety and dreadful fear for God. But as a child of God, you are drawn in the closest and most intimate personal relationship possible with God. You not only have the identity, status, and position, but also the heart of a son. And one of the ways how this change in relationship is expressed in your prayer language. Your prayer language as a son of God now becomes the same language as the one and only son of God, Jesus Christ. Abba, Father, cried Jesus out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, Father is now what all God's children cry out to God through the Holy Spirit. When you gave your life to Christ, everything about you changed everything changed therefore if what anybody be in Christ all things have passed away behold all things are made new <laughs> hallelujah come on now I'm excited about this is good news amen I gotta stop. I'm gonna honor time. Let's stand for our, our feet. Just for a moment, just for a moment, close your eyes. Think about how he found you in that slave train, or he found you. Just close your eyes. Just come on. Don't, don't. Just close your eyes. Be still. Think about where he found you and who you were and what you've become. And you can't take credit for any of this. It's not something you can work for. He did all the work. And when you have a revelation of this, your only response can be worship and praise. I don't have to work for my salvation. He did the work. My worship is a response to what he has done for me and what I've become. I love him because he first loved me. Thank you. Come on, say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. 
Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. Father, I pray that today, right now, God, that the word that went forth, that, Father, that this is not just a message that was a transforming of information, and, but, God, I pray that there would be a deposit into the spirit of every individual here. That it would come so alive to them, God, that, that Lord, it would help them to, to be secure, no longer double-minded. As you taught me a long time ago, Lord, trust is not a feeling. Trust is a choice. And today we say, I will trust the Lord. Come on, say, I will trust the Lord. We trust you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, in the midst of so many things, we can be still because we know that you are with us and you are for us. And you tell us, do not worry. And so I just pray, God, for your peace and your rest to just be upon your sons and daughters. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you. Jesus' name.